Father, thank you for your glory. Thank you for your goodness and your kindness. We are ready for what you have prepared for us. We are ready for all that you have made ready for us. We are ready to rise to ascend beyond this level. We can hear your voice calling us to come up hither, and we are ready to respond. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And everyone says amen. amen. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 to verse 15. The scripture says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a, a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Praise God. So he says that you and I are the light of the world. We are the light of the world. You, you are not a nobody. You are somebody special. Without you, the world would be lost in darkness. And the scripture says the dark places of the earth are full of the habitation of clarity. That means that the people of the world are waiting for you to shine your light because you are important. You are called for this. You are the light of the world. Now, when lights work together, they, they, they form a city. You see, the, the city is a combination of lights. It's not just one, one house that is shining. It's houses that are filled with lights that make up a city. City talks of development. It talks about the uh, lifting of some sort. So the Bible says that you are the light of the world and then a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Praise God. Now, we get to see from these two verses that elevation is a must. It's a prerequisite to influence. Our light is useless if we are not elevated. Our shining will not be appreciated if we are not seen. So he says that the, the light, look at verse 15, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. So a light must be put on a candlestick so that it can be seen and it can bring light to all those that are in the house. And then in verse 14, he says, a city must be set on a hill for which to bring light to its environment. Is that okay? So elevation is a prerequisite to influence. Unless you rise as an individual, you cannot really influence your world unless each one of us rise. So you see, there is supposed to be a collective elevation, but that collective elevation will be a result of individual elevation. What do I mean by collective, collective elevation? I mean all of us rising together. But you see, unless you rise as an individual, we cannot rise collectively. So you need to rise. You need to be lifted. You need to shine. You need to get up. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? You cannot be hidden and make impact. You must be seen for you to make impact. So here he shows us that we must be elevated. Unless this happens, we cannot impact our world for Christ. In the book of uh, Isaiah chapter 2, he talks about this city that is upon the hill, raised above all the other mountains. He actually calls it a city on the mountain. He said nations will flow to it. The reason they will flow to it is because it has been elevated above all the other mountains. 
So our lifting is important. Until and unless we are lifted, men will not flow to us. The people will not flow to us. In Isaiah, he says the same thing. Arise, shine. Then he speaks of what will happen when you get up. He says, Gentiles will come. He says, kings will come. So he tells us that when we are lifted, we begin to draw people. Remember what Jesus said. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. So it's, it's very important for us to be lifted, for us to be raised. Remember also what Hebrews 7 verse 7 says, without contradiction, the lesser is blessed of the better. So it is required for us to bless our generation. It is a requisite for us to become a lifted people, to be lifted, to be raised. Hallelujah. So you must ready yourself for divine lifting. You must not be afraid of uh, supernatural, what we call supernatural exposure, because God will have to expose you to the world and expose the world to you for you to bless them. For your light to affect the people of your world, it must be seen. It must be seen. Everyone here has something to contribute. Something that will make this world a better world. Something that will make the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God. Every one of us. But you see, I think the problem is we have been uh, taught to believe that uh, for you to really be a minister, to make an impact as a Christian, you must stand behind a pulpit in church. Uh, it's, it's an erroneous thinking. It's an erroneous ideology. You, you, you see, because the pulpit ministry is a small fraction of the ministry that the Lord has given to the church. It's a small fraction. And as a matter of fact, it will be ineffective without the manifestation of other ministries. It will be ineffective. And then here's the thing. You've got to see wherever you spend most of your time as your pulpit. You hear us say something in this church, the world is our pulpit. What do we mean by that? We mean that wherever we go, if you are working in a, in a company, that company is your pulpit. That means God has given you a platform to reach out to those people. It's a platform for relevance, not just for uh, physical earthly, social, economical, relevant, but kingdom relevance. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So you have a stand at the market. God has given you a pulpit. Just that your pulpit is not designed like my pulpit. Your pulpit is designed differently. There is tomato on your pulpit. There is onion on your pulpit. But you've got to understand that you're not just here to sell tomatoes and onions. You are here to sell something that they cannot buy with money. Something that they can only buy with faith. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Because we understand that, that faith is a currency. Faith is spiritual money. Faith is currency. Faith is money. Praise God. And so any person who is preaching the gospel, they are doing business. That's what they are doing. It's a transactional business. And so there is an exchange. For you to receive eternal life, you must do what? Exchange it with faith. You must give your faith to Jesus. Then you receive from Jesus eternal life. You'll be born again. So he tells us that we can buy without money. Tell your neighbor, I'm a business person for Jesus. Yes, it's, this is business. This is business. Only that you're not selling with these quachas and dollars. No, it's faith. 
See, when, when you want to get something from somebody in a shop, you don't go there and tell the person, give me ABCD and they give it to you. They'll ask you, how much do you have? This is how much we're selling it. This is how much you need to pay for you to get it. When you want to receive anything from God, he doesn't ask you how much money you have. He asks if you have enough faith for it. Because faith is currency. Praise God. And so you must see that that area is, is your platform. This is where you fulfill your ministry. If you don't see that, if whatever you are doing does not, con- does not contribute to the advancement of the kingdom of God, it's a waste of time, it's a waste of energy, it's a waste of resources. It's a waste. You are wasting your life. That's what you are doing. Doesn't matter that you are a student. If your studies don't contribute to the advancement of the kingdom, it's a waste. And you see, you're going to see to it that you become an asset in the kingdom. There are people who are kingdom liabilities. That means the kingdom can do without them because they are not contributing anything to the kingdom. When you become an asset, you become heavily defended. I'm not saying that when you're a liability, you're not defended. But there is more uh, angelic presence that is given to you because of the task that you are undertaking. God will need to help you more. You see, you cannot help a person who is doing nothing. Angels are helpers. The Holy Spirit is our helper. The gifts of the Spirit are the gifts of the helper. So they manifest when we are doing that which requires help. Are you getting what I'm trying to show you? So you cannot just be praying, I want the gift of prophecy to manifest. It's, it's a gift coming from the helper. So it's a gift of help. What would it help you accomplish? If you are doing nothing, you don't require a gift. You don't require. Angels are there to help us. Study the book of Acts. You will see how angels were so busy in the book of Acts. When you arrest an apostle, you put him in prison, an angel would come and unlock the prison gates so that he can go and preach. You see, they were doing something. Now, before they started preaching, before they started doing the ministry, you don't see angels showing up. You don't see angels helping them because angels are sent to minister for us as we minister to the Lord and as we minister to the world. As we minister to the church, angels minister for us. It is because of this thing that I'm doing right now that I can tell you there are angels here. These are not just angels assigned to my individual life. There are angels assigned to help me carry out the assignment that I've been given. So I can stand here and say this is a great week for you. And then angels will carry out the sentence of my words and make sure that it's a great week for you. You see, they are here to assist the Holy Spirit is our helper. If we do nothing, he will do nothing through us. He will not work with us. So we've got to be active. We've got to be active in the kingdom of assignment if we're going to make a real impact. I tell you the truth, it's all useless. It's vanity if it does not contribute to the kingdom. If it doesn't, you want your business to succeed. Make sure it begins to contribute to the success of the kingdom. It begins to contribute. Souls should be worn at your stand. Not only souls, the money that you are getting, part of it should be contributed to the advancement of the kingdom. You should become a financial minister in the kingdom. You need to see to it that your rank is ever increasing. Because the the command that you'll be able to release will depend on your ranking. Praise God. And your ranking depends on what? Your faithfulness. 
He says, rule over these cities because you are faithful with you. I can assign you to rule over much. This is important. So here we see that uh, the kingdom must be set on the candlestick. When you study Revelation chapter 1, you're going to read about Jesus Christ holding seven candlesticks. And then John gives us the interpretation of those candlesticks. He says that the candlesticks are the seven churches. So the candlesticks are the church. Mm, That is something. You all are lights. But for you to shine, you need to be connected to the church. The church is the candlestick. He didn't say the church is the candle here. He says the church is the candlestick. So you have come to the candlestick. Don't hide yourself. Be planted on the candlestick so your light can now begin to shine. The church is a candlestick. So this is so important. You see, you're not here to just receive a blessing, be blessed and go home. I tell you the truth. If you don't save God, you will save your problems. And you will say, when these problems come to an end, I will save God. The, the issue is this. You will be moving from miracle to miracle, but you will also be moving from problem to problem. The only way to permanently solve your problems is to save God. When you determine that I will not save my problems, I will save God, then God will deal with your problems. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added. What are all these things? Problems? No. Solutions. Solutions will be added when you make up your mind to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. When you make up your mind to establish that kingdom in the hearts of men and in your environs. When you make up your mind to spread the righteousness of God. That means that the righteousness of God will be in the hearts of men. Not only in the hearts of men, it will dwell in your environment. The Bible says when the new earth will come, it will be a kind of earth wherein righteousness dwells. But before that one comes, we must see to it that our environments, our communities are places where righteousness dwells. When we make up our minds to pursue such a purpose, God will see to it that there is no need that will distract us from that assignment. So you'll be continuously supplying whatever we need. He says all these things shall be added. They shall be added. Now, here's the thing. So we, we get to see the importance now of foundations. The kingdom needs somewhere to stand. The city needs somewhere to stand. If they have nowhere to stand, then they cannot fulfill their purpose. There is a need for foundations. The city needs a hill. The kingdom needs the candlestick. No matter how bright they shine, they are useless as far as their world is concerned if they don't have somewhere to stand. So let's talk a bit about foundations. The book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 11, verse 3. Psalm 11, verse 3. He says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? What can they do in their generation if their foundations are destroyed? What can they do? That means that what the righteous are able to do is tied to their foundations. If their foundations are not in place, they cannot take their place. You see, the foundation determines the height of the building. And we said that you must be elevated for you to impact your generation. That means that you must first be founded, be founded on a sure foundation for you to be lifted. If the foundations be destroyed. So the enemy of our destiny knows this scripture. 
He knows what to go after. If he goes after the foundations, then the righteous can do nothing. And I have seen with uh, great sadness in my heart how people who were supposed to be doing nothing ended up doing something, ended up doing nothing because they allowed their foundations to be destroyed. Because the enemy knows this, he attacks foundations. The best way to bring down a building is not to attack the window or to attack the roof, it's to deal with the foundation. And the enemy goes after foundations. So he attacks foundational truths, foundational realities. He also attacks foundational personalities, or what you may call foundational figures. And all these attacks are attacks against the church. They are attacks against the cooperative uh, functionality of the church and also the individuals. And the issue, the main issue is that they don't even realize that's what is happening. So the enemy has an advantage over them because of their ignorance. Foundational truths. You see, for your finances to rise, there are foundations that you must base them. Kingdom foundations. Principles that you must base those foundations. If you have seen something that has been happening in the past 10, 20 years, is that the enemy has so much been attacking God's principles for financial increase. They have been so much under attack, so much. So much so that some people don't even believe in tithing anymore. They don't even believe in seed sowing anymore. As it is as though these things are not in the scriptures. They don't believe in giving to the kingdom anymore. You know, uh, the devil has convinced them that this is wrong, this is heresy, this is not scriptural. They shouldn't do it. And he has done this in so many ways. We'll discuss about that. They, they, we see that uh, the, the church is ineffective to influence marriages because the foundations upon which marriage should be built have been attacked. Today, when you look at divorce rate, the divorce rate in the church and in the world is the same. It's 50-50. It's interesting. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. So when you see a Christian couple, there is no real difference between that Christian couple and the non-Christian couple. Tomorrow you will see them in the divorce court. Why? The foundations that should sustain marriage have been attacked. And they have allowed, the Christians have allowed them to stay so. They have not looked to see what are the true foundations. For some of them, they have been deceived. So instead of building on the solid foundation, they have built on sitting sides. They don't know where they are standing. And so when the flood comes, they fall down flat. They are, they are beautiful. Listen, there are buildings that are beautiful in, in cold season. There are buildings that are beautiful in hot season because the coldness does not challenge their integrity. The hotness does not challenge their integrity. But during rain season, they collapse because a rain season is a time where the integrity of the building is challenged. It is a time when the integrity of the building is questioned. How strong is your foundation? That's what the winds come to ask. That's what the storm come to ask. How strong is your foundation? Every Christian can say, my faith is great when they're not facing any challenge. But when challenges come, it's a question they're asking you. When, when you face a situation, that situation is asking you a question. That is what the Bible says when Jesus saw the fig tree and he promised him food, but when he got there, he found no food. Jesus answered. He answered because he knew the tree was saying something. He answered 
than sage to eat. That is why you read about Jesus speaking to the storm. It was a response, an answer to what the storm was telling him, to what the storm was saying to him. The storm was saying, you're going to die. The storm was saying, this is your end. The storm was saying, I'm going to stop you. But Jesus says, peace be still. Jesus is saying, I am the master over you. I am the master over the storm. You are not a master over my life. You cannot stop me. Every challenge has a voice. Every situation you face has a voice. It not only has a face. That's why you say, I am facing a situation. It not only has a face, it also has a voice. And the, the, the interesting thing about this voice is that it is not heard audibly. It is heard in your mind. It plants pictures. It plants imaginations. And the scripture says that such imaginations must be cast down. They must be brought down. You must respond with force and vigor. You must respond. When sickness comes, you will begin to hear that voice in your heart. You're going to die. You, you are going to die. You know, this is the same sickness that killed your uncle. If you were to listen to that sickness very well, you will hear his voice. He's telling you, I killed your uncle, now I'm going to kill you. What's your response? Because you can't hear what it is saying. You don't even know how to respond. You respond like every other person. You start crying. You start sleeping. They attend to you like they attend to no more human beings. And yet you are of God. You are of God. And you have overcome them. But it is the foundations be destroyed. What can the righteous do? They will fall, they will fail. They will live ordinary lives. They will live like non-Christians. So there, there is an attack on uh, foundational realities, foundational, uh, I mean, truths upon which we are to build our lives, truths upon which we are, to, you know, they are challenged. Listen, it's, the, it's been the devil's strategy from the beginning. When God spoke to man, Adam, and told him, don't eat from this tree, the devil came to challenge that word. Did God say? And the devil said, you will not surely die. He came to cast doubt on that word. When God spoke to Jesus, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, Satan came immediately and said, if you are the son of God, he came to challenge the word. In the parable of the sower, Jesus said, when the seed is sown, Satan cometh immediately. What is he after? He's after the truth. Listen to me. The devil is more scared of the truth than he's scared of you. When you study the parable of the sower, you will read about Jesus telling these people, he said, persecutions and all these challenges will rise for the worst. So why is the devil stirring up things? He says he's stirring up things because of the word you have received. So that you can give up the word. You wonder each time you receive rhema, each time you receive a word, situations begin to rise. Things seem to be getting worse. It's the devil's way of challenging that word in your heart. Challenging you to give it up. Because he knows that if it stays, it will deal with him. So mightily grew the word of God in the so he knows if it stays, it will break. If it stays, it will prevail. So he has to get rid of it before it can grow. Get rid of it. So he attacks the world. It's an attack on the world. It's an attack. That's why the, our armor is about protecting what we are receiving. The helmet of salvation. What does that mean? That something that has entered our minds that needs to be protected. 
So we put a helmet to protect our hands. The helmet of salvation, the knowledge of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, something that has entered our hearts, a consciousness that we are not sinners, we are not the condemned, we are righteous. We put that on. It's a breastplate. The belt of truth, something to hold this whole armor together. Without truth, it will fall apart. The feet showed you the preparation of the preaching of the gospel of peace. Without our feet being prepared, without our feet being ready to preach the gospel, without us being so winners, we cannot tread on serpents and on scorpions. If we tread on them, they will hit us. If we tread on scorpions, they will bite us. But if we put on the shoes we are supposed to put on, the right shoes, which is so winning, we can tread on serpents and on scorpions. And nothing shall have enemies. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? When Jesus said, I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions, he was speaking to soul winners. They had just come from a soul winning expedition. They were excited and said, look, even devils were subject to us at your name. He said, do not be excited because devils are subject to you. Rather rejoice that your name are written in the land. And then he says, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. So he's not speaking to a general public. He's speaking to soul winners. That's why I tell you, until and unless you serve God, you are treading on dangerous grounds. What was not supposed to hurt you will hurt you because you are walking barefooted. There are, there are serpents here, there are scorpions here, but they are the right boots that you can put on. If you have these boots on, you can walk on serpents, you can walk on scorpions, and they will not hurt you. He says, the shield of faith. That shield is to protect you. And that word that you have received, the sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema, the word of God on your lips. So there's this attack on truths. There's this attack. There's this attack. You say you are a new creation. Mm -hmm. You you, you, you say that this thing works. So you find that financial principles are attacked, and so the church is crippled financially. The church cannot move the gospel forward. And remember, he said, through prosperity, the church will spread. The cities will spread abroad. And so you find Christians who are prayerful but very broke. Why? If the foundations be destroyed. What can the righteous You will see how Christians hate it when somebody stands up to show them the principles that should help them live a prosperous life. The thing is after their pockets, it's after their accounts. The devil has so manipulated them to this position. And the, the sad part about it is that they don't even know it. They're not aware. And yet this is God's us. But they want, they are like the children of Israel. We want to be like other nations. The non-believers don't sow seeds. The non-believers don't pay tithe. The non-believers don't do any of these things. Yet they are ready. We want to be like them. That's what they are saying to God. God is saying, my ways are not their ways. My thoughts are not their thoughts. So what I'm telling you is different from what they have been told. Because they are not my people. They are not my children. These are family secrets. And yet we would allow non-believers to explain them to us and tell them why we shouldn't keep them. Someone said they ended with the law. No, the law explained them. They, they started with faith. Abraham was not under the law when he started tithing. You know, Isaac was not under the law. Jacob was not under the law. And the Bible shows us that when 
People are children, they are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And then he also attacks what you may call foundational figures, foundational functionaries. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Now listen. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. See where he says we are built on. These are the gifts of Christ to the church. He says they are foundational figures. We are built upon them. And so when you see people attacking men of God, they are attacking the foundation of the church. Now you see, they in themselves are not the foundation. They are the part of the foundation in that they are the expressions of Christ in different specialized fields. Jesus Christ is the chief shepherd and he shepherds through the shepherds, the pastors. Jesus Christ is the chief evangelist. He does his evangelistic work through the evangelists and the, the, the saints. You see, he's the teacher and he teaches through the teachers. So these gifts are the expressions of Christ in specialized fields. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Specific areas. So they are functionally duties. They are functionally beings. And so the Bible tells us that you are founded on them. The church of God is built on them. You will not see a successful church that doesn't have an apostle or doesn't have any of the fivefold. For that church to rise, for that church to prosper, it needs somebody who is either an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, or a teacher. If you just have a brother, it cannot thrive. As a matter of fact, it can't even be called a local church. It is, it is the church of Jesus Christ, you know, a part of the church. But for it to be a local church, there must be a pastor. There must be somebody in, in the ministry of governments that is responsible for the nurturing of that church, for the leadership of that church. You see, some people say, me, I'm only led by the Spirit. Yes, you are supposed to be led by the Spirit. But understand that the Spirit of God leads through people also. As a matter of fact, in the church, that is his primary way of leadership. In the church, he leads through those he has said. In the church, at home, he will lead you directly. In the church, he will lead you through people. Did you get what I just said? In the church. So when you're dealing with church business, the leadership is different. When you're dealing with church business, you don't get up and say, uh, people of God, I am going to start my work. When you're dealing with church business, the Spirit of God will speak through those he has set in the church. Separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work where unto I call them. When I call them, I call them in private. But for them to be released, I need the leadership of the church to separate them for me. Separate them for me. Consecrate them and release them for me. So the pastor said, we're going to pray and fast. And somebody said, ah, me, God told me not to fast. He told me I should fast on another day. He doesn't know the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God does not contradict himself. Praise God. Now, let's look at uh, the, the enemy's strategies for destroying foundations. Number one, when he's dealing with uh, foundational truths. Number one, he, he keeps people from accessing the revelation the revelation knowledge of these foundations. 
write that down. It keeps people from accessing the revelation knowledge of the word of God. The revelation knowledge of these foundational truths. Praise the Lord. And so you see that people uh, don't seem to access these truths. He, he, he begins to work at means and ways to suppress the spread of truth. Suppress it. You actually find that these very few churches that teach the truth that are on the limelight. The majority of them are hidden in obscurity. They, they are not seen. They are not heard at all. When you, when you get your remote to watch Christian stations, you discover that 99% are teaching errors. 99% and you are wondering, where are the ministers of truth? Where are the bearers of truth? They are being frustrated somewhere. And the reason they are frustrated is because they are ignorant of the foundational principles that should help their ministry rise. Because their ministry is the foundational ministry. You see, let me give you a practical example. As a pastor, when I apply God's word concerning finances, I will prosper financially. But if this church is going to prosper, it cannot prosper through one man's obedience. It will have to be a collective when I act on the word of God for finances and I begin to do good and all of you begin to do well the church begins to do well you see because one man's contribution will not finance an entire crusade you will not take the gospel on television you will not take the gospel on radio even five people is not enough it may be enough to start but it may not be enough to continue and we don't want to do things that we start and then continue and, and then end. You see? So it's important that the church takes advantage of the grace that produces prosperity. There is something that takes us beyond the experiences of man and ushers us into the experiences of God. Supernatural supply. My God shall supply. My God will take care of this for you. You come to that place where you're, you're functioning beyond your salary. You're functioning beyond your, your, your profits from your business. You are able to command cash flow that is beyond the natural. We need to take advantage of this grace. If there is a time where we should be excited about accessing such truth, it's now because this is needed. Remember what we talked about last Sunday. The wisdom of the poor man is despised. So until you begin to increase financially, you will not, listen, uh, let me put it for you in a different way. Money is, is one of the ways you can set a bush on fire. When, when, when somebody begins to prosper financially, they begin to act like the bush that God set on fire. And people are able to turn to see what is this sight that we are looking at. You see, but then it may be a destructive bush if you're not born again. If you don't know God, you'll be consumed. But if you know God, you will bear, and from this fire, the voice of God will be heard, and someone will be called. Until we set things this in place, we will not have the assistance we need from God to make it in this area. So the enemy works at keeping people from accessing revelational knowledge of these foundational truths. He works so hard to do it. He works so hard. And how does he do it? You can write A under it. Ah, A, keeping them occupied with wrong things when they should be occupied with the truth. 
you begin to see how people are busy. You know, they are, they are, they are busy. Sometimes you may even send them grace and truth. They are too busy to read. Yet, they are not busy to entertain wrong things. They are not busy to watch football. Not that football is wrong, but you see, football will not benefit your spirit. It will excite you to entertain you, but it won't improve you spiritually. It won't actually bless you. Hallelujah. Even if your team wins by 20 goals to nil, you, 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 you will not be improved. You will just be excited. You will feel good. Uh, unless you are doing betting and all that kind of stuff. Uh, even that will not help you in the long run. Praise the Lord. So they, they are too busy. You, you evangelize, you talk to people, and then you find, okay, they are coming on Sunday, and then they begin to send you excuses. Um, my uncle has come from the village, and then there is this that I'm attending to, there is this. Then you realize these people are becoming so busy. During the period where they are supposed to be busy for God, they are busy for other things. I love the attitude of Jesus. Don't you know that I'm supposed to be about my father's business? That means that you should know by now I should be busy with the things of God. He was talking to his parents. He was talking to his parents. He's telling his parents, you should know by now that I'm supposed to be in my father's house, busy in his business. Hallelujah. So you see that when you begin to see that happening, somebody is being kept busy. And listen, the devil doesn't mind giving somebody money. As long as that person doesn't serve God, he doesn't mind. That is, that is why you have satanists, you have uh, you know, people who use uh, juju and all this kind of stuff to get money. The devil doesn't mind because he knows that so within his transaction, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? So he uses the business terminology, profits. What profit will you get? You gain the world, you lose your soul. So that means that somebody is doing a transaction. He's saying, for your soul, I'll give you the world. It won't profit you anything, it will profit me. So the devil will profit from it because you will never rise, you will never shine. You will never become the person God wants you to be, even though you own the whole world. It's the same proposition that he gave to Jesus. Bow down and worship me, I'll give you all these kingdoms. So he can act, the devil can actually give a person a job huh? to keep him away from his destiny. No, a lot of people think every open door is a door opened by God. Some open doors are traps. What shall it profit? So you want to ask yourself, what shall it profit me? If it's not profiting me, it's not from God. Anything that is from God should profit me, should benefit me. So you find that some person who was growing very well in the things of God, all of a sudden, they cannot grow anymore because they are too busy. The devil keeps them so busy. So they think they are making progress. You know, they have several cars now, several houses, but their spirit is malnourished. Their spirit, you see, listen, the prosperity of God is in this one. Third John verse 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be healthy as your soul, even as your soul prospers. That's the prosperity of God. If it does not include the prosperity of your soul, it's not from God. It's a trap. And so many souls have been trapped. B, right B, by keeping them away from witnesses of truth. This is another strategy the devil uses. 
So the first one, he keeps them busy. The second one, he keeps them away from witnesses of truth. That means truth bearers, ministers of truth. You see, he plants thoughts in their hearts. The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. So what the devil does is begin to accuse us before people. He, because now he cannot accuse us before the Father. He can only accuse us to one another. So he begins to plant offense in the hearts of people. So that those of us who have come to the knowledge of the truth should be disconnected from those who don't know the truth. They should not want to have anything to do with us. Then you begin to see that people you, you used to talk to, now they don't want to talk to you anymore. They, they don't want anything to do with you. The accuser of the, they had a conference with the accuser of the brethren. And he planted some ideas in their heart. You know that guy, you know that guy, the reason he has been following up on you is because he wants you. You know he's a, he's a womanizer. And then, ah, and you have been doing a good job following up on these people. And then you begin to hear such things, you are discouraged. And then that person is also discouraged. So the devil has hit two targets with one, with one shot. With one stone. Huh? Somebody was coming to church, all of a sudden they stopped. Why did they stop? Someone somewhere went to them. Someone under the influence of the spirit of darkness went to them and told them, you know, I know that church very well. That church does not mean you well. That church, mm, and begins to fabricate stories and verify stories. Such and such happened. I know so and so was in that church. This is what happened. And then the person is discouraged. Ah, I will not go there anymore. Ah, it's better I go back to my Catholic church. It's better I go back to my traditional church. They are cut off from the bearers of truth. And they are shut away from the truth. See, by keeping them away from materials of truth, keeping them away from materials of truth, we have materials like grace and truth. We have materials like MP3s and all this stuff. You see, some people would download and download and yet they never have the chance to listen. The enemy works at that. The enemy works at frustrating these materials from going forward. He works at frustrating. You see, he doesn't care how well you can preach. As long as you don't have anyone to preach. D. By blinding their minds. If he is not able to succeed in his three strategies, the, the last one that, that he will employ is the blindness of the mind. And listen, blindness of the eyes is better compared to blindness of the mind. Because when a person is blind physically or blind in their eyes, at least they can think. But if a person is blind in their minds, it doesn't matter what they see, it doesn't matter what they hear, it will be as though they are getting nothing. So concerning these ones, he says, they are ever many, and never able to come to the world. He says, the God of this world has blinded the minds of those that do not believe, lest they should see the light, so they can be in the presence of light and not see it. Their eyes physically are open, but their minds are they cannot interpret what their eyes are collecting. They cannot interpret what their ears are hearing. They will actually be amazed. Ah, is this, is this the same pastor that you are saying is a great man of God? I, I know him now. I know him. We grew up together. He's my friend. Their minds are blinded. They will be amazed at how some people will travel from outside the country to come here to listen to the very things they are listening to. Not that they will not come to church. They will come, but their minds are blinded. So Paul prays for the church at Ephesus 
that God would, would, would grant that their eyes of understanding be opened. It's not that when they were born again, they were born with their eyes of understanding closed. Somebody closed those eyes. So he prays that their eyes be opened. Eyes of understanding, eyes of the mind be opened. Hallelujah. Look at Psalm 82, verse 5 to 6. Oh, Jesus. Psalm 82, verse 5 to verse 6. He says, They know not, neither will they understand. So, because they don't know, because they don't understand, what does he say? They walk on in darkness, uh, all the foundations of the earth are out of course. So, by blinding them, the foundations are out of order. The foundations for marriage, the foundations for prosperity, the foundations for success, the foundations are out of order. And all they have are cries and tears. Oh God, help me. Oh God. But God is saying, I'm a God of principles. You must put principles in place if you are going to succeed perpetually. If you are going to succeed continually. There are things that you must put in place. And so we find that the church is prayerful, but it lacks progress. It lacks influence. Because foundations are out of place. He says, I have said, here goes, and all of you are the children of the Most High. So there is a revelation he has given, yet they don't know it. They don't understand it. As a result, even though they are lights, they walk in darkness. Even though they are gods, they walk as men. What men suffer, they suffer. What uh, those in darkness go through, they go through. That is why, that is why you see that the church is crying for deliverance. It's the blinding of the mind. These are they who are lights of the world. How can they need deliverance from darkness when they are the lights themselves? Can light be oppressed by darkness? Can light be depressed, oppressed by darkness? The normal order is that when light shows up, darkness should fit. He has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Yet that is not a reality for men. So every service is a deliverance service. They are ever coming out of Egypt. They are never making progress in the kingdom. They are ever putting uh, blood on their doorposts and on their lentils. They are never coming out of Goshen. It's been 20 years. Their prayer points are the same. What do you want God to do for you? I want deliverance. Others, they, they have a breakthrough mentality. There is always something keeping them from what is theirs. So they need to break through it. After they break through, they break out. I mean, they break out and then they need to break through again. There's a reason why we don't, we don't say such words. Breakthrough, breakthrough, all things are yours. Breakthrough into what? You're not a thief. You see, so scripture says the times of ignorance God has waited that now he commands everyone everywhere to repent. There, there are things that we can even listen to people they are saying and we will not correct them because we know, uh, let's be patient. Time will come and we'll correct such. So they are ever breaking through. Their life is a battle, but not, you see, it's, it's supposed to be a battle, but this one is a wrong battle. It says there is a fight, it's a good fight. You know what a good fight is? 
You can't call a fight a good fight if you're losing. A good fight is one that you are winning. So he says, fight the good fight, and then he tells you what fight it is. He says, fight your faith. That means that release your faith. Your faith needs to fight. Huh? Your, it's your faith fighting. It's not even you fighting, it's your faith. So it's a fight of faith. Your faith should fight with your circumstances. Your faith should fight with what is going on. Your faith should fight with all the hatred. Your faith. And so if, you, if, you, if your faith is not there, if your faith is not growing, you have no victory. This is the victory that overcomes the world. If you have faith. So think, think of your faith as soldiers. These are my soldiers. My faith in this area, my faith in that area. And then you see, if, if you are dealing with, if you are dealing with uh, health, for example, instead of you focusing on your white blood cells to defend you, you know, there are these soldiers that need to be functioning in your being. These soldiers all say, they are the victory that overcomes. They overcome the violence. They overcome the sickness. They overcome the food. And you release this faith through words. You release it through action. That's what we tell you. Speak the word. Say the word. Live in the word. Be a tool of the word. So you now say, I have fought because you, you're, you're, the, the tools you are using are tools that function by faith. But, but you see, once faith is released, it will, it will command an automatic response. So this is the victory. This is the victory. This is the conquering power that brings the world to its knees. So when, when the devil came after Peter, Jesus did not pray for Peter. Jesus prayed for Peter's faith. Second Thessalonians 3, verse 1 to 2, you begin to see why the apostle would uh, encourage people to pray for him. He says, finally, brethren, pray for us. Pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course. You see, he's not saying pray for the people. No, he's saying pray for the word so that the word should, have, should not be hindered. 
It will enter the hearts of men the way it's supposed to. It should have free course. Free course. He says, and be glorified, even as it is with you. So that the word of God should be glorified in the hearts of men. Because unless we pray, the word will not enter their hearts. And until the word enters, light will not enter. So he says, pray that the word should have free course. Free course. Number two, another strategy the devil uses to attack to attack foundational truths and foundational figures is by planting his people among the people of God. And let me let me talk about this a little bit, then you'll see what I'm talking about. So this is another strategy he uses by planting his people among the people of God. And sometimes the ones we're calling his people don't necessarily fully belong to him, but they are under his influence. So he plants people he can influence among those that God is influencing. So he can influence those that God is influencing to his side. Look at Jesus. Jesus was a man under the influence of God. And then all of a sudden, Peter gets to, comes under the influence of Satan and he begins to try to talk Jesus out of fulfilling his assignment. And Jesus was discerning enough to tell that this is not Peter speaking from the Father. This is Peter speaking from the devil. And notice, it was not somebody who came from afar. It was somebody who was in the camp. The one who betrayed Jesus was not somebody who came from somewhere. Sent by the devil. It was someone. He says, if I not caught 12 of you and one of you is a devil. He never said, follow me and I will make you devils. Follow me and I will make you devils. But one of them became a devil. And so the devil plants, we'll talk about false ministers. And then we'll talk about false brethren. Are you aware they are false brethren? You know a lot about false ministers. So let's read some, some few scriptures here. Second Corinthians 11 verse 13. Can we do this quickly? Second Corinthians. For us, for such are what? False apostles. You see that? Deceitful workers. So they are deceitful ministers. They are. We call them men of God because that's what they call themselves. So we call them men of God. We call them pastor. We call them apostle. He says, but they are deceitful workers. Transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. He says, a no marvel. For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. He says, the devil has an ability to transform himself into an angel of light. So when you say, I saw an angel, uh, the, 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 the big thing is, what did he say? Yeah. Ever heard of Joseph Smith? He said, you saw an angel. The founder of the Mammon Church. An angel gave him the, that book called Mammon. Give it to him. See how people are misled. What did that? What did the angel say? What did he say? Some there are some fallen angels that can transform themselves into angels of light. They will even come. There will be light all over the room. And then you're like, wow! And then begins to speak to you and say, you, you are great. Everyone else is useless. Then you know that's not an angel from God. <laughs> There's no angel from God can talk like that. Is that? And you see, some ministers of darkness function that way. I've heard some people call somebody and say, you are, you, do you know that you are, even, you are greater than the pastor you are submitting to? 
No, there is no person from God. Nobody sent from God who can ever speak like that. He may even be prophesying that this one has greater calling than the other, but he will never, he will never communicate it in that manner. Just know, the moment you hear that, shut, shut your mind, shut your spirit, access closed. Access denied. And then all you'll be hearing is when you... Say, thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, because, because one of the key characteristics of Satan is pride. The moment someone tells you, you are greater than so and so, you, you should not even be there. You know what they say? He's imparting pride into your heart. What was the first sin Satan committed? Pride. I will ascend above God. He actually was telling himself that he was better than God. So God did not deserve the throne. He actually deserved it. As a matter of fact, he should ascend above the most high. Didn't that guy know that God is the most high? How can you ascend above the most high? That's the most high. Meaning that there is no higher <laughs> But his pride deceived him. So some people are deceived in that manner. So, no, this one is a proven prophet. You know, he prophesied the city. He prophesied the earthquake and it came to pass. He prophesied the tsunami and it came to pass. It's not about the accuracy of the prophecy. It's about the accuracy of the person. By their fruit, not by their results, by their prophetic fulfillment. By their fruit, you shall know them. Praise God. So, he says, that no man will forsaken himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is, it is no great thing if his ministers, ah, 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 he also has ministers. And they also have ministries. He says, if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness. So, they dress like the ministers of righteousness. They talk like the ministers of righteousness. They use the same lingua franca like ministers of righteousness. I mean, they, they, they use all this. They may even speak in tongues like ministers of righteousness. It's just a transformation. Wolves in sheep's clothing. He says, whose age shall be according to their works. Second Peter chapter 2 from verse 1. Second Peter chapter 2 from verse 1. Look at this. So we've got to be careful. We've got to be alert. These are the, 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 the strategies of Satan. He says, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers. So we talked about false prophets, false apostles, and then he talks also about false teachers. Then he says, among you. This is Peter, he's writing to the church. He says, there will be false teachers. Not there are. He says, even as there shall be false teachers among you. Because he knew how the devil works. False teachers. Huh? Who privately, privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them, and bring upon themselves sweet destruction. Go to verse 2. Look at what, look at what the enemy is aiming at. And many shall follow their pernicious ways. Many shall follow their lifestyle. Huh? By reason, or because, he says, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Oh, stop there. Get what is happening. So the devil says, if I can't stop them from accessing the truth, what do I do? I need to attack, I need to attack the foundational figures. I need to attract, to attack the fivefold. What do I do? Not just go against them in persecution. 
I will raise my own apostles. I will raise my own prophets, my own pastors, my own teachers, my own evangelists, and they will do wicked things so that insults are poured upon these offices and nobody will listen to them. So today when you say, I am a pastor, people start looking at you suspiciously. Why? The devil raised his own pastors who dated the name of a pastor. There were those days when you say pastor, someone says the pastor, if you were on a bus, you will leave your seat for him. Today when you hear he's a pastor, you want to look at him from head to toe. <laughs> say, well, papa. <laughs> <laughs> so he says, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken. The way of truth says shall be evil spoken of. It is one pastor that made that mistake and yet all the pastors will suffer as Pastors of nowadays. That's why me, I don't even go to churches. That's why me, I only worship at church. I mean, at, at home. I watch the TV. That's why uh, this woman goes to this church and she's told you should bath in salt water for you to be healed. She bathes in salt water, her skin gets inflamed. She says, I'll never go to church again. <laughs> she doesn't know it is Satan that did that to keep her from accessing the truth. So that the way, so that now when she speaks, because the devil knows that she will also become an evangelist for him. She will start telling people, this church is, this church is. She doesn't know she's evangelizing for Satan. She's, uh, you know, blindfolding people from the world. People will not listen anymore. Prophets, prophets, ah, they are no prophets. All prof- prophets are profiters. Because of some uh, misguided person that rose up in the prophetic and prophesied, prophesied, and then they get to discover they buried some people in the foundation of the building, and then there is all that evidence, and then they say, all oh, these are using uh, juju. As though the kingdom of darkness is greater than the kingdom of light. They are very quick to praise the kingdom of darkness, and yet they deny the supernatural. They will tell you, this guy is, is prophesying, this is by familiar spirit. And yet, when you do it by the Spirit, they will say there is no such thing. The way of truth is evil spoken. And Jesus said that in the last days, this was going to happen. He says, many false prophets will rise. Where who will raise them? Why will they rise? It's this, it, it is the satanic agenda for the last days. To raise so many of them, so that even the elite should be deceived. So today, people don't even know what to believe anymore. They don't know. They, they want to read their Bible. They don't know how to interpret it because they listen to so-and-so. He tells them it's like this. So-and-so tells them it's like that. They're confused. And so we tell them, be established in a Bible-believing church. They don't even know anymore what a Bible-believing church is. The world. So you hear stories of these prophets ministered to this woman so that she could have fruit of the womb and the way he ministered to her was by sleeping with her. And then we begin to wonder where are the miracles? Where are the miracles of the book of Acts? Where is the God of Elijah? Where there is no honor, there is no flow of power. Because now the ministers are not born again. By the foolishness of the ministers of Satan, the ministers of God are not honored. It's his plan. It is his plan. Crazy things. You even be amazed. And the Bible says, look at, look at the Bible. Look at this, this three. 
And many people will follow them. We went there and many shall follow their positions ways. Many. And then when their eyes begin to open, they're like, ah, I will never do this again. I will never trust. So when we invite people to church, they come here. And then they begin to hear the word of God. And then they're like, hmm. Fold their hands. Why did they come? Because you prayed. Why did they come? You were consistently on them. You were following up with them. So they came. Will they come again? It's not enough. What service is not enough? They come again. There are people who are hate because of how they were deceived in the church. What they didn't know is that while God was raising his own, Satan was also raising his own in the very house. The Bible tells us that the, the farmer planted wood. At night, an enemy came and planted tears among the woods. When he came, he said, Ah, the enemy has done this. And then the Bible says that he said, as asked him, we approach the tears now? The, 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 the master said, If you approach the tears now, you will also approach the wheat together with the tears. Wait for the day of harvest. And Jesus explained that parable to say that the Father is God and the enemy who planted is the devil. And those he planted are the children of the devil. And those that God planted are the children of God. And then he says that in the last days, angels, in the last day, angels will come and separate between those that are gods and those who are not gods. Those that belong to God. Right now it's difficult to even point at that one, that one, that one. It's difficult. You end up pointing at the wrong person. And then there are those who will believe, so believe the wrong person that if you chase the right, the wrong person, they will go along with the wrong person. So he says, wait for that day. The people that he has planted, they even own television stations, preaching foolishness, so that when, when an intelligent person listens to them, they're like, I can't listen to this clash. They say, oh, there's a pastor who has come, pastor, no, no. That's nonsense. He says, through them, the way of truth is even spoken about. Go on, look at the stage. And through covetousness, greed, huh? shall they with faint words, sugar-coated words, make merchandise of you, turn God's people into a business. Not this business of faith I've been talking about. No, no, no. <laughs> Financial business. They, they will milk the flock that they do not even feed. It says they will turn God's flock into merchandise. You want this miracle, pay this money. You want this, pay that. You want this, pay this. Everything you must pay. So why did Jesus pay all that he paid? Why was his blood shed? If we have to pay for healing, we have to pay for this, we have to pay for that. And he said it is finished. I thought the payment was done. And then he said, freely you have received, freely give. If anybody is charging for that which they receive freely, we should question where did they receive it? Is it because nothing that a person gives from the devil can be given for free? Let me stand here a little bit. If a person received it from the Lord, they will give it for free. If they received it from the devil, they will charge. Because the devil gives nothing for free. You say, oh, what about six sowing? That's not payment. That's an expression of faith. That's an expression of a big difference. Now, he also told us, nobody should stand and tell you, force you to sow it. Nobody. He says, let everyone give according as they have purpose in their own hands. 
Nobody should walk up to you and say, God has told me that you should give your car. Uh, is it your car that God should tell you I should give? The same God who you say told you this, how come you don't tell me? This is a very personal matter. God has told me that I should be the one to live in your house. You should find another house. <laughs> he says, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, their condition not. So he says, they're going to suffer. They're going to punish. They are just going to suffer. So they are false prophets. They are false teachers. False ministers. They, some of them are very books. You, you, you've got to be very discerning. It's not every book that you read. Now, hear, hear me, hear me. There are those who are... Uh, I don't know There are false ministers. And then there are also fake ministers. Interesting. The one who is false may even have power. That is negative power. The one who is fake has no power. <laughs> huh? The one who is a false may even demonstrate and show you things before miracles to receive. The one who is fake will do magic, you know, this light magic, not this light magic, this light magic, you know, manipulation. Uh, put some wires under the carpet so that when you stand in that particular spot you'll be electrocuted and say you are falling under the power. That one is fake. Huh? But the one who is false, he has power that will make you fall. He has power. You feel it, you experience it. But it's not the power of God. He has what you call the negative supernatural. He has it. You can even open your eyes to see in the spirit, but you will see the negative supernatural. That means illegal access into the realm of the spirit. So that one is false. I didn't make any difference. Now there are also those who are just ignorant. Is a is truly called of God, but because of his ignorance, he's acting like a false prophet. So they are genuine in their intentions, but not genuine manifestation. And that is why it's very wrong for anybody to throw themselves into ministry unless God has told them. You must be prepared. I'm talking about the fire, they must be prepared. So we've got to be discerning. And the only uh, excellent tool we have for discernment, apart from the Spirit of God and the manifestation of the gift of discernment of spirits, is the word of God. When you know the truth, nobody can deceive you. That's right. Nobody. If you know what the what, what, if you know, if you know, you know what a Samsung phone looks like. Nobody can show you a Blackberry or an old motor and say this is Samsung. If you know, so when you know the truth, you can't be deceived. Adam was not deceived because he knew the truth. Adam disobeyed, he was not deceived. Eve is the one who was deceived because she was not there when God said, Don't eat. God spoke to her. So we need to arm ourselves with truth. See, even pastor, pastor, even pastors have been deceived. Huh? Yeah, this man of God has power. I need to connect with the grace. It's not grace. <laughs> I need to connect to the grace, and then uh, when they are exposed now and they begin to say, "Me, I'm what and what?" Did you see how this guy here what uh, 
showed up and said, he, he's, he's not a true man of God, all this kind of stuff. And then now we began to ask, what about all those men of God that attended this event? <laughs> all those men of God who were working with him. Now people begin to suspect that you two are false. <laughs> so we tell ministers, don't walk anyhow. You don't just join with someone. This one. You must be discerning enough to know, is this one truly from God? Is this a light beam or a dark beam appearing as an angel of light? See, so we see, and, and you see technology is there, photos are there, <laughs> videos are there. Some of them even call them Papa, my Papa, my spiritual father. Your spiritual father is a force. <laughs> my, my <laughs> even when you come to a church like this one, you don't, you don't take me for my word. Because I've taught you all this and I must be a true man of God. No, you search the scriptures to see what they're teaching you. If you are satisfied, then you say, I am going to submit, I am going to follow. If you are not satisfied, ah, free for your life. <laughs> if you are not, you, you, you see that. Apostle Paul commanded the church at Berlin. He says they were more noble than those at Thessalonica. Why? They searched the scriptures to see if what they heard were so. I mean, this is Paul preaching. So you don't just say, I know, I know, my, my man of God cannot lie. My man of God. Search the scriptures, know the Bible for yourself. There are people who have been seen because of that. Somebody was, was true, was working well, functioning well. Maybe greed walked in into their heart. And they began to say things they were not supposed to say. And because the people trusted them so much, they were misled. Unaware of what they said. Well, when we come back on Wednesday, we're still talking about the city on the hill. Yes, we'll talk about false brethren. False, false brethren. Remember what the scripture says that before the Antichrist will be revealed, he says that there will be a great falling away. That means that many who have known the truth who allow themselves to go in the opposite direction. And such times are upon us that God is faithful. He is also able to keep you from falling. I want you to take a minute to pray for the Church of Jesus Christ and pray that the way of truth will be made clear in spite of all that is happening. The way of truth will be made clear that people will come to the knowledge of the truth for this is the heart of the Father. As you are praying, also pray that the word of God will have free course. Go ahead and pray. But we are not ignorant of his devices. We are not ignorant of his devices. We don't have to put it in his hands. Jesus Christ has to bring it to the church. Come on, man, can we talk about the future? In the name of Jesus.